0: In Acts chapter 9, we see that there's this man, Saul of Tarsus. And he's the man that has been going about from city to city, from house to house, even to foreign cities, taking believers, arresting them, and putting them to death, one after another, after another, after another putting Christians to death. He has made it his aim to do that, to kill as many Christians as he possibly can. And he believes that what he is doing is 100% right, 100% correct, 100% proper, as far as Christ is an intruder. Christ is someone who is going against Judaism. Christ is someone who is false and, and, and he is not who he said he was and he is 100% convinced that that is the case. He believes that he is serving God and putting Christians to death. And he's, he's on his way to Damascus to do the exact same thing that he's done in other cities and that is to put more and more Christians to death. And suddenly verse 3 tells us a light shines around him from heaven and he falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting me and he says who are you Lord he knows that the one that's speaking to him is deity he knows that the one who's speaking to him is God himself and he says who are you Lord and Jesus says to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Everything in this man's life changes as a result of God revealing to him who he is in the person of Christ. It's changed everything for him. A man that has that, that just bent on putting Christians to death is now 100% bent on telling the entire world, that Christ is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. Everything's changed for him. Everything's changed for him. The way he thinks, the way he moves, the the actions of his life, every part of his life is radically changed by who the person of Christ is. We find that in verse 19, and this is where we left off last last week. In verse 19, it says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So the scales had just fallen from his eyes. He once again receives his sight. It says, and he arose and he was baptized. So this this, this man's life has been radically changed. He's baptized, saying, I'm going to identify myself with Christ. I belong to him. I'll publicly identify myself as I am no longer Saul of Tarsus who, who wants to put Christians to death. I am a Christian, and I belong to him. He receives food. He's strengthened. And then he spends some days with the disciples at Damascus. He's just fellowshipping with them. These these people who, who were once his enemy are now his brothers. These people who he once wanted to spend no time with are the ones in whom he's now spending time with. And then in verse 20, it says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God immediately. He preaches Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. This man's view of Christ has been radically changed to where it's now, I will go into those same synagogues, the ones in which I I once rallied people to do everything they could to put Christians to death, and I am going to preach that Christ is in fact the son of God. He is deity. And then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And he's come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. He increased more and more in strength. Not just physical strength, but his understanding of scripture, his understanding of who Christ is, his understanding of doctrine, his understanding of the things of God and 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 the the message of redemption throughout all of history and who this man was and whom he once was persecuting now understanding him to be the son of god now understanding him to be the christ now understanding him to be god himself it's changed everything for him and so he confounded the jews who dwelt in damascus proving proving that jesus is the christ He has just made it his aim to be able to take them through Scripture and to be able to show them he is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is, in fact, deity. I want to prove to you that this is the case. I want to show you that this is the case. I want you to understand who he is so that you, too, would worship him, so you, too, would follow him, so your lives would radically be changed, and so you get to see him where he's so He increases all the more in strength. And I pray that that would take place here this morning as well. That we would increase all the more in strength. All the more in confidence of who our Redeemer is. That we would be bold to, to be amongst those that are proving that Jesus is the Christ. Showing people like, no you, you believe he's simply a prophet or, or you believe that he was just a good teacher or you believe that he was simply just a, a good man or you believe that he's false. You, your desire is to put Christians to death. No, he, he is the Christ. He's the Son of God. I can prove that to you. I could prove that he is God himself. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. They want to kill him. They want to do everything they can to put him to death. So now, the proclamation of the gospel, this proving of of who Christ is, comes with just incredible resistance from some To where they're waiting there day and night trying to find him so that they could kill him. But the disciples, they do everything they can to protect him. This one in whom they would have loved to see God just wipe off the face of the earth is now the one in whom they're saying, let's protect Saul. Let's serve him. What, what can we do? Let's take him. And, and, and there's these houses in which the houses go over the the walls there in, in, in that particular part of the world. And and let's take him. And let's, let's let him down through a basket down on the backside. Even if it costs us our life, we'll do what we can to protect our brother. To protect this Christian. And when Saul had be, had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So he now comes to Jerusalem. And what we don't see here in this particular text is that there has been a considerable length of time that has gone by in the verses that we're reading. Galatians 1 tells us that that up to three years have gone by as far as this time that he was in the Arabian desert. And God was ministering to him. And God was teaching him. And God was showing him all these things. So now he goes to Jerusalem And they don't believe that he's a disciple. But Barnabas, remember the name Barnabas? What does it mean? Son of encouragement. Lives up to his name here. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles. He declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly boldly in the name of the lord jesus and disputed against the hellenist but they attempted to kill him and when the brethren found out they brought him down to caesarea and sent him out to tarsus then the churches throughout all judea and galilee and samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the lord and in all the comfort of the holy spirit they were multiplied We see God doing an incredible work here in the church. I want to spend some time this morning on looking at how God had revealed himself to the Apostle Paul, to the man who was Saul of Tarsus, and how it can apply to us as well. We live in a time in which, like this time, there is a great need to evangelize throughout all of history as far as from the time of, of christ we have been called to go to the, even to the uttermost parts of the world proclaiming the gospel you see within saul just this this passion of, of, of how can i prove that jesus is the son of god how can i prove that jesus is the christ how can i prove who he is Is and and, and have it be where they see and they understand and I'm willing to risk my life and I'm willing to have to be lowered down through a basket or I'm having to be shipped off to Tarsus or to do whatever it takes to enable people to see who our Redeemer is. It matters to us who he is. For Saul, it changed everything for him. We were singing this morning the song, Uncreated One. And as we were singing it, I was just thinking, I I think that he could have sang the song and loved it. The words of the song go, Holy, uncreated one. Your beauty fills the skies. But the glory of your majesty is the mercy in your eyes. This one who's been uncreated, the one that has always existed and and here saul's living for him thinking that he's living for god killing christians and now he's revealed to him in such a way that you you are god you're the uncreated one the the skies are are filled with your beauty but the greatest glory of your majesty is your mercy You've saved us. You became man. You lived amongst us. And you died for us. You you laid aside your royalty to wear a sinner's crown. The chorus of that song goes, O great God, be glorified. Our lives laid down, yours magnified. O great God, be lifted high. There is none like you. And I guarantee you that's how he thought. My life be laid down. Yours be magnified. There's none like you. He's in awe of who his Savior is. He's in awe of Christ. He's willing to go wherever he possibly could go, whatever might meet him, to tell people about who he is. when he's met with incredible adversity and persecution, the final chorus of that song says, and when we see your matchless face and speechless, all will stand and there will bow with grateful hearts unto the great I am. Just this longing to see his matchless face in eternity, to be in awe of him. And to bow with grateful hearts unto the great I am. He knows who Christ is. Who Christ is matters. It changes everything for us. When you have Mormons teaching like we're Christians too. And yet they don't believe in the deity of Christ. They are not Christians. Their gospel is not our gospel. Their Christ is not our Christ. There's a radical difference. When Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking at your door... They do not believe in the deity of Christ. Their Christ is not our Christ. Their gospel is not our gospel. Their Christianity is not our Christianity. When people come saying, I think all roads lead to heaven, they do not. There's no under name, other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. It's Christ Jesus, our Lord, and who he is matters throughout church history they have been very diligent to hold a biblical position going through scripture to say let's define who christ is and and make it so that this is something that we as congregations believe and we hold to and it matters to us because who he declares himself to be in the pages of scripture changes every part of our lives and it matters to the gospel it's essential to the gospel I provided a handout for you, and and it's lengthy. I recognize that. Um, But I used part of it from handouts that we've done in the past and then added to it a considerable amount because I I want us as a church to understand who Christ is and, and to be equipped in such a way that we, like Paul, may prove that he's a son of God, prove that he is the Christ that we, we have text in our minds, ideas in our minds to be able to say, this is why he is the Son of God. This is why he is the Christ. The wording within the Nicene Creed, if you look at your handout there, written 325 AD, they, they, they went to incredible lengths to, to fight heresy that, that existed and those that would, would go against the person of Christ and and his character and his deity, his personhood. So they wrote this in, in, in something in which believers would memorize and know. Let's read it together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ. Under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the son who with the father and the son together is worshiped and glorified who spoke by the prophets and i believe one holy catholic and apostolic church i acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins and i look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come amen that mattered to them what an awesome thing to have our congregation quote that together it mattered to them for him to be the one lord jesus christ the only begotten son of god begotten of the father before all worlds god of god light of light very god of very god Begotten, not made. Being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. All these things are biblical. It comes straight from Scripture. This is His character. This is who He is. The Council of Chalcedon in in 451 A.D. wrote further on this saying, Therefore, following the Holy Fathers, we all with one accord teach men to acknowledge one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at once complete in the Godhead and complete in manhood, truly God and truly man, consisting also of a reasonable soul and body, of one substance with the Father as regards his Godhead, and at the same time of one substance with us as regards his manhood, like us in all respects apart from sin, as regards to his Godhead, begotten of the Father before the ages. And yet, as regards his manhood, begotten for us men and for our salvation. Of the Virgin Mary, the God-bearer, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in two natures, without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. The distinction of natures being in no way annulled by the union, but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person and one subsistence not as parted or separated into two persons but one and the same son and only begotten god the word lord jesus christ even as the prophets from the earliest times spoke of him and our lord jesus christ himself taught us and the creed of our fathers had handed down to us They're, they're very careful with every word to be biblical because it matters if he is in fact christ the Son, the Lord, the only-begotten, if He is without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, the distinction of the natures, not being annulled in any way, and, 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 and knowing that, that this is His character, He is God. It matters to us. It's essential to us. It changes everything for us. For us as Christians, we don't just recognize doctrine and say, well, okay, well, we believe that Jesus is God and we believe he died on the cross for our sins. We believe that he was buried and he rose again from the dead and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is our doctrine. This is what we believe. This is what we're different, from ways that we're different from other people and this is where we're at. We don't talk like that. We believe that we were dead in our sins and trespasses and he made us alive. He made scales fall from our eyes. He made it so that we could see Him. He made it so we could know Him. We would never have done that apart from the Holy Spirit working in our lives to do that. He's drawn us unto Himself. And He is God Himself. Fully God and fully man. He came and and he, He died for us in His humanity there on the cross. Fulfilled all righteousness. Perfect. Took our sin upon himself and it changes everything for us those those words our sins upon him and he alone could do that he alone could pay that price only god could do that he's the only one that could be our mediator there's no other way he couldn't simply be a prophet he couldn't simply be a good man or a good teacher he had to be god himself and he has to be our mediator and like Saul of Tarsus. It changes everything for us when we see who he is. We worship like no one else on earth can worship because we know who our God is. We know what he's done for us. We see his mercy. His mercy. And we see the great gift in which he's given us. You may be in a place of, well, I don't know how to tell people that he's God. They come knocking on your door and you say, well, gosh, you make some really good points there and you, you appear to be really smart in the Greek. And so, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I know you guys are bad. I don't want us to be in that place. Because if, if we don't have that knowledge, one is we won't be able to prove to people through his word That he is the Christ. That he is the son of God. That he is God himself. But the other side of it is. is If it doesn't matter to us that much. The details of of doctrine. It will greatly affect the way in which we live. It will have a huge impact. On the way in which we live. And so I wrote down there's. There's. Six pages here, going through and and we'll fail to, to read through all of them. And this is not meant to be exhaustive, but it is solid. As far as like, they'll leave before you get to the end of page six, more than likely. Or hopefully they'll stay. But going through, Scripture specifically explicitly asserts the deity of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that Christ is God. Do you remember when the angels come and and say, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. God with us. In Luke 2, verse 11, it says, for there's born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is what? Christ the lord these words matter to us it is god with us it is he is christ the lord a word that's specifically used for deity in john chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made he didn't become God. He's always been God. He's always existed. He's always been in perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. If your question is, is, well, who is the Word? How do we know that that's Jesus? Verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We, we, we know he became flesh. He dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. You hear Jesus proclaiming his deity where in John chapter eight, verse 56, it says, your, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. And the response saying, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They understand exactly what he meant by that. They picked up stones to kill him at that particular point. He proclaiming himself to be the I am, God himself. The reason why that, those words matter as far as I am comes from Exodus 3, where Moses says to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And the God, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God specifically having that recorded there in Exodus. So that Jesus would come and say, before Abraham was, I am. This is who I am. In Romans 9, verse 5 it says that Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God the eternally blessed God Christ in Philippians 2 verse 5 it says let us let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be what equal with God made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant, becoming the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore god also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father There is bowing down before him. He's exalted him, a name above every name. And he's Lord. Colossians 2, there in verse 9, it says, In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And Titus refers to his appearing and, and, and talks about his glorious appearing as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Specifically referring to his deity all through scripture. In 1 John 5.12 it says, In his son Jesus Christ, 5.20, In his son Jesus Christ, this is the true God and and eternal life. The true God, Jesus Christ. You see it where Thomas is there in his response to Jesus after putting his, his, his hand there in his side and into his hands. He says, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. One of the most incredible ways to show the deity of Christ is the fact that he accepts worship. He accepts worship. You know what happens when when they go to to worship John or, or John goes to worship an angel. The response is like, no, get up, get up, get up. You don't do that. You, you worship God only. These verses are, are just absolutely vital to our understanding of, of his deity as well. You see there, as Christ has is, is been just born, there's those that come to see him. And they come into the house and they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and what they worshiped him they worshiped him in Revelation chapter 5 there in, in verse 14 we see that find the 24 elders they fall down and they worship him who lives forever and ever a couple things that you see there one is them falling down and worshiping him but also the fact that he lives forever and ever in John chapter 5 there in verse 23 it says all should honor the son just as they honor the father in john 14 jesus says let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me making it clear that 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 they are the same hebrews 1 6 let all the angels of god worship him matthew 8 Two, a leper came, and what did the leper do? The leper worshipped him. Matthew 9, 18, a ruler came and worshipped him. Matthew 14, those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Matthew 28, verse 9, And when they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And so they came, and they held him by the feet, and they Worshipped him. Acts ten. We find it where Peter comes in and Cornelius meets him and he falls down at his feet and worships him and Peter lifts him up, saying, "Stand up! I myself am also a man. Don't don't do that." And as I mentioned just before, um, you see in Revelation nineteen ten, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, "See that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant, and of your brethren." who you have testimony of jesus christ worship god they are not to worship angelic beings they're not to worship men they are to worship god alone yet jesus allows himself to be worshiped over and over and over again i think of of saul of tarsus being there and and listening to the words of christ and and hearing of 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 who christ is and the fact that he is in fact messiah that he is in fact the son of god that he is in fact god himself and one of the strongest verses that we find in that is Isaiah 9.6 where it tells us, For unto us a child is born. Now remember this is Isaiah 9.6. This comes from the Old Testament. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor. What? Mighty God. He will be Mighty God. God everlasting father prince of peace in Isaiah 40 verse 3 it refers to John the Baptist who's coming and and it says he's the voice of the one crying in the wilderness saying prepare the way of who the Lord not of a, a man who's coming prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for who our God he's coming Jeremiah chapter 23 talks about the days that are coming where he will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. That's how we refer to him. He is our Lord, he is our God, and he is our righteousness. The very righteousness that we have as Christians is not our own. It's from him, the Lord, our righteousness. We see that he has divine attributes that are ascribed to him. He's always existed. Um, As we just read, he's the everlasting father. Revelation, it says, that Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Or in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. All of these words are attributions of eternal existence and deity. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. continues forever. His omnipresence. Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Anywhere, anywhere where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is radical to think about. The fact that he is present everywhere. What an awesome thing to think of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is here in our midst right now as we are here at the same time he is in countless places around the world dwelling with them at all places in fact at all times jesus says says he's given the great commission i am with you always even to the end of the age i'm always with you in john chapter 3 verse 13 it talks about how No one has ascended heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven at all places, at all times. He knows all things. He's omniscient. In John 1 48, Nathaniel's there and he says, How do you know me? And Jesus says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And it just blows his mind how you. You couldn't have seen me. But the fact is, is that Jesus knows all things. In John six sixty four, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He knew all things. Um, remember when he's restoring Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter's grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't say, like, no, I don't know everything. No, he said, feed my sheep. He knows all things. He's all powerful. Our mighty God, Isaiah 9, 6. He's the one who is able to subdue all things to himself, Philippians three twenty one. The Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning and the End, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty One. He doesn't change. We find in Hebrews 1.10, where it talks about you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. He doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We change, don't we? Yeah, we change. Things hurt now that didn't hurt before. We get old. We look different. I show my kids pictures of myself when I was younger, and they're just like, "Who? who is that? <laughs> Did you eat them? Like, I mean, like... like in their minds it's you, you look radically different than you did before we change he did divine works he created all things all things were made through him With, without him nothing was made that was made the world was made through him john 110 colossians 1 for by him all things were created that are heaven and earth and that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created through him and what? And for him. Everything that has been created was created by Christ. He is our creator. Providence. Luke ten twenty two. All things have been delivered to me by my father. And no one knows the son, who the son is except the father and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. He holds all things in his hand, and he's in control of all things. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John 7.2, he's been given authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Ephesians one twenty two, He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Colossians one seventeen, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Hebrews one three, He upholds all things by the word of His power. He is sovereignly in control of all things. His invisible hand moves all things. The only one who could ever possibly do that is God Himself, and that is Christ our Lord he forgives sins do you remember where the man's healed and and or they're talking about healing the man and 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 jesus talks about forgiving him of his sins and and in mark 2 7 they say why does this man speak blasphemies like this who who can forgive sins but god alone But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus with themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise and take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose and took up his bed and went out of the presence of them, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Just so they can know, like, I have the power to forgive sins, Christ says. I'll say, arise, take up your bed, and walk. I want you to know that I have the power to forgive sins. Colossians 3.13, even as Christ forgave you. Resurrection and judgment. Who is the one that it will, will judge? It is the Son of Man. It is Christ. It is our God. In verse 31 of Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. It is Christ who separates them. He's the one who comes in all glory. God will not give his glory to another and yet Christ has all glory and he judges and John 5 there in verse 25 most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and will come forth and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. He's been ordained by God to judge the living and the dead, Acts 10.42. Acts 17.31, he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Philippians 3.21, he's able to subdue all things to himself. 2 Timothy 4.1, he'll judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. The idea of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Christ who became fully man, yet remained fully God, and took the price, paid the price for us on the cross. It is so clear in all of Scripture that this is the case. We find in Hebrews chapter ten, if you look down there, where it's, it says in verse nine, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, and he takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He does that. He's unlike any high priest that's ever existed because he is God himself. And by one sacrifice... He's taken away our sins forever. He makes all things new. Revelation 21.5. The knowledge of that, the knowledge of that changes everything for us. If he is God himself and he has come and become a man and he died on the cross for us after living a perfect life and fulfilled all righteousness, dies for us, is buried, rises again from the dead, And he is the only way to have our sins forgiven and to enter into eternity. We sing songs like, Holy uncreated one, your beauty fills the skies. But the glory of your majesty is the mercy in your eyes. Worthy uncreated one, from heaven to earth come down. You laid aside your royalty to wear the sinner's crown. Oh, great God, be glorified. Our lives laid down. Yours magnified. Oh, great God, be lifted high. There's none like you. Jesus, Savior, God's own Son, risen, reigning Lord, sustainer of the universe by the power of your word. And when we see your matchless face and speechless, all will stand. And there we'll bow with grateful hearts unto the great I am. May we bow with grateful hearts on this morning as well. Unto the great I am. And may we see him for who he is. Understand who he is. Make it our aim to prove to others who he is. And make it our aim to lay down our lives before him as living sacrifices, saying we belong to our God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we bow before you, the great I am. Oh, to be able to know you, to be able to have the scales come down from our eyes and we know you. See you for who you are. You're not simply a good teacher. You're not simply a prophet. You're not simply a good man. You are God himself, Emmanuel, god with us you are the alpha and the omega at the beginning and the end when we see you we see the father we're able to see god's heart and god's grace and his love and his kindness and his mercy through his son who's been given to us and and i pray the response would just be worship unto you hearts that are in love with you hearts that praise you hearts that live for you and may scripture like this just give us great boldness to go forth and to proclaim the good news here and even to the uttermost parts of this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.